The root of state-sponsored violence, be it through the slave patrol in the 16-1700s, be it through the lynch mob in the 17-1800s, be it through law enforcement is grounded in the history of racism and white supremacy in this country and the disregard for Black life. There were a, a whole host of stereotypes that went along with the enslavement of African people. And one of the most predominant stereotypes um, and fallacies about Black people, Black men in particular, is that just by nature and just by biology, Black men are a threat, um, are aggressive, are violent, um, and later are criminal. The books, the narratives, the media still portray Black people and people of African descent in that same stereotypical and fallacious way. So the same stereotypes that were used to justify our enslavement are the same stereotypes that people are using to judge us and characterize us now, and it's dangerous. Good evening, my name is Roxanne Johnson. My son's name is Jamal Bird. He was uh, killed by DC Metropolitan Police October the 1st, 2019. We just commemorated the fourth um, anniversary of his transition. Um, he was 35 years old. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Latoya. Good evening, Latoya. How you hey. doing? Good evening, you guys. Good evening. My name is Latoya Benton. Um, I am the mother of the lovely Xavier Hill. Xavier was murdered by two Virginia State Police officers at the age of uh, 18, 2000, January the 9th, 2021. Today, we are honored to be joined by Justine. Justine, you want to go and get a brief intro of who you are, please? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm an investigative journalist and writer, and I'm, an, I'm the author of a new book. It's called They Killed Freddie Gray, The Anatomy of a Police Brutality Cover-Up. And, an and it's based on a you know, six-year investigation into what really happened to Freddie Gray, and it reveals evidence that was never shared with the public. You're actually on mute, Roxanne. Thank you. We're so excited to have you with us this evening. Um, this the 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 book, the contents are just riveting with the information and investigation that you did. But um, the first question I would have: What made you write this book at this time? Right. Um, well, I actually started the investigation a long time ago in 2016 with um, a journalist named Amelia McDonald Perry. And I was really just like a true crime buff, you know, and I worked, I had worked in criminal justice reform and I taught in prisons. And so I had some sensitivity to these subjects. I wasn't a journalist, but I was blogging about true crime and wrongful convictions. And she and I got invited to investigate this case. So we got pretty far with our investigation but we hit it, you know, we hit a certain point and we did it for the Undisclosed podcast and it didn't really change the narrative about Freddie Gray, especially in Baltimore. We just kind of hit walls. And then in 2020, I got handed a whole chunk of new evidence that really just told the full story. 
And I never, I'm just sort of restless. I sat with the, the sense that I knew something that the world needed to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so the other question I have right immediately as I'm reading this book, um, when you say you hit a brick wall, I know it was the, the state's attorney office, the uh, Baltimore Police Department, or, uh, along with this group, um, force investigation team. So between those three uh, entities that were part of the police force, right, and um, law enforcement, it sounds like they were complicit in the cover up. And the medical examiner's office, a little less knowingly, but sort of the way that that office operates contributed to the cover-up. The federal government contributed to the cover-up. Um, and the city city hall, the mayor contributed to the cover-up. And then the media. Mm-hmm. And really the walls that we hit were with the media because we knew we had new information and the local media did not want to hear it or share it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you say the local media didn't want to hear it or share it. Did you guys reach out to them and they told you they just didn't want to share the story? How did that go? I mean, if I tell you that's what happened, you might think that just doesn't sound possible, but it's pretty much that. You know, um, I think part of it was that our podcast took a look at the media and its complicity. And so we sort of made enemies and maybe maybe in a way they didn't wanna share our findings because of that. But also I think that they had reported on the case, Baltimore Sun, some local outlets had reported on the case extensively and they didn't want to admit they got it wrong, I think. But yes, we we offered hard evidence. You know, we have files that hadn't been released yet. Do you want to see them? And either we got no response or something along the lines of, how would I know it's real files? As if I would just make like a lot of really challenging conversations, a lot of walls. It's I think the media part of it is so much worse than I think most of the public understands. Though I think people affected by police violence tend to understand because they see that they see the stories and how things get twisted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other thing that was really blaringly obvious as I was reading your um, your your book is that um, people who lived in the area where Freddie Gray lived were always um, victims of what the police force wanted to do. If they needed more arrests, they would come to this area. If they needed to, you know, appear like they're doing a stellar job, they would come to this area and just arrest people for almost nothing um yeah yeah. I would like to get your thoughts I know um, we were talking before we came on as as a um you know white woman how do you feel about police violence and and what's going on for mostly black and brown bodies um you know it's racist there's sort of a there's a criminalization of social difference in this country but primarily criminalization of blackness So, you know, that's a problem. So we have a serious human rights issue in this country that a lot of people in this country are so, a lot of white people grow up not understanding it because they don't have perspective on how many people are arrested in this country that don't need to be arrested. You know, whether anyone needs to be arrested is another story, but like we arrest by far more than anyone else in the world. We're worse than Russia in terms of this. And it's, And so much of it is blackness. We know this because, 
we have studies showing that white people deal and use drugs at the same rate as black people and are incarcerated at a minuscule fraction of black people. So that to me is the criminalization of blackness, period. Mm -hmm. So when you're attuned to that and you wake up to it, then I don't understand not fighting because, you know, all hands on deck, like, you know, if I'm living through a period of great human rights violation, I'm not, I don't want to like, you know, exist in this period and not have done at least something mm -hmm. about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do you think the something is that uh, allies such as yourself can do to, you know, to rid, uh, rid this country of police brutality? You know, we're looking at our ticker today, 892 people have been killed by the hands of the police thus far this year. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't know about the word ally. I'm always uncomfortable with that, but certainly like I care. I don't know why I'm uncomfortable with that. So don't worry about that. But, um, you know, everyone can do their own thing that they're good at. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm disabled. I can't really go out and march. So, mm -hmm. you know, everybody can do something. Um, I can communicate the details of a case that people thought they understood mm -hmm. and share what really happened and how bad it was and how, you know, the whole country could have been told that Freddie Gray died in a certain way that really let the police off the hook and never know that it was possible for the truth to be so buried and for the truth to involve so much suppression of the Black community that saw what actually happened. Mm -hmm. So. One thing I, I don't know what everybody should do about this problem because everyone has their own, you know, thing to contribute. Mm -hmm. You know, what I try to do is provide really detailed insight that makes it impossible to think that this system is acceptable, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of all of the systems that you named before, protecting cops when they kill someone from mm -hmm. hours after it happens. That's kind of what I lay out. So if, if I can show like how corrupt it is, how much the system is designed to protect police when there's violence and cover it up and lie and manipulate video evidence, you know, there's all the things that I show, then hopefully, People might feel extremely unsettled about this. And the next time it happens, just be really ruthless and asking questions and not accepting what they're told. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't have all the answers though. Yeah. I think one of that goes back to the, like when you said, um, the first thing you mentioned was protesting, right? I think a lot of times people want to associate the words allies, they go to automatically think about protests. Like you just said, um, you can't identify, we already have camera phones, right? So whether you identify and do investigative work or they're showing right on footage or whatnot, it's still already being seen. I think the question kind of goes to, once you get the information that you are able to investigate with, how, how many more times we gotta investigate the cases for us to move forward? You know, whether you're black, white, green or purple. How many how much energy do we got to collect as a collective group before we are able to move forward? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, I don't think that we have investigated many of these. Mm. You know, I had really unprecedented access 
one of the things that I think about is like with true crime, we have these true crime podcasts that get really detailed about these investigations, but almost none of them are police brutality cases. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand what you're saying. There is a difference between knowledge and action, right? But I'm not sure we've really gotten to the bottom of knowledge yet for the general population in this country. And I don't necessarily mean affected people who kind of already know and don't need to be told that medical examiners are corrupt, Mm -hmm. but everyone else maybe needs to know, you know? So Mm -hmm. that's just my take on it. I I feel like there's really no bottom to how much knowledge can be gained and gathered and shared, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of what action people take with that, that is a different conversation for me. I'm often focused on the media. Like, can I fix this really terrible way that reporting of police violence happens? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just one avenue that I'm kind of carving out, you know? Yes, yes. So as you were investigating and writing this book, was was there something in particular, you know, that really you were like, I cannot believe this? Because yeah. I, I read was like, I cannot believe this. Yeah, I mean, there really are so many of them. It's so sad. Like, um, one thing was finding out how many statements they collected from day one right away that they then pretended they never had. And they made it out like Freddie Gray's death was a mystery, even though they had known from hours after it happened. Like, that was newer information from me. You know, I obtained that later and I was like, wow, so they can't even pretend that they kind of messed up. They always knew. And like the number of parties involved in covering that up. I think the other thing is um, just the amount of trauma that they were willing to inflict on people that got caught up in the case, witnesses. They planted this young guy in the van to pretend to be a witness to Freddie Gray killing himself. And like that poor guy's life was ruined. And then around the, um, this is a later chapter. I don't know if you got to it, but like around the riots, like they provoked riots by locking down communities, something they do a lot. And all of this was just to distract from police literally killing Freddie Gray with their hands. And um, like, that's overwhelming how, Casually, they just spread trauma around mm. after a case like this because it got attention and it made them look bad. Yeah, yeah. And as we know, all of these officers were found not guilty. Well, they had one trial was a mistrial and then they had another trial and found not guilty. Are they all still in the police force? Uh, yes, the driver might have retired by now. I have to look into that. Up until recently, they were. Mm. Um, but they didn't get off because, you know, because the judge or the jury didn't care. They got off because the prosecutors put on the wrong case mm-hmm. and put on a case. It Famously, we all heard that Freddie Gray died from a rough ride, that like the van. And so that was the prosecutor's case, mm-hmm. but they didn't have any evidence to support it. And the strong evidence was that he was killed during his arrest around the corner when officers threw him headfirst into the van. Stop two. Stop two. And we never really heard about that because there was such an effort to bury that evidence. So if prosecutors knew that, Marilyn Mosby knew that, state's attorney, if she had, if they had pursued the real case, I believe there would have been a conviction. 
Now, is she still the prosecutor now? No. No, yeah, no. She she lost her last election, and right now she's under federal indictment for some small financial crimes. Yeah, yeah. They they put her on the the most wanted list to get her out of. I mean, yeah, get her out of office. Um, I I know I was reading in here about the autopsy. Like you're yeah. saying, even the even the medical examiner was uh complicit in in cover up, right? But this guy, he had a broken vertebrae, broken neck, broken ribs. He didn't do that to himself, but they, but they, the police officers, wanted you to believe that he did it that to himself. Yes. So the, there were different cover-up stories mm-hmm. on the way. And the first day, the cover-up story was that he was banging his head in the van and caused his own head injury. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that they had thrown him in the van and that's how he, they broke his neck. So that cover-up story didn't work because there weren't injuries. And so the second cover-up story was that it happened while the van was moving. So I don't, the medical examiner wasn't told about what the witnesses saw. So that's how she arrived at that conclusion. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's, not a, it's not a rare thing. This happens with every murder case, but especially police brutality cases. The medical examiner bases her determination of what happened to the body on what police and prosecutors tell her. So um, this homicide detective, retired homicide detective was reading my book and he said he remembered his first case. And he went to the homicide, he went to the medical examiner and asked like, do you know when he died? And the medical examiner said, when's the last time anyone talked to him? So they're basing it on what the cops say. Mm They're not trying, medical examiners aren't going out in the community to get information about what people saw. They just believe the police. Mm. Uh, And and so that's unfortunate because in this case, as many other cases that we know, the police lie. They are lying liars who lie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even if you have the the control of the narrative to something like that. Right. That's like that's totally crazy. Y'all get to control the narrative just from going to the medical. We, we don't have access like that. We impact the families. Mm-hmm. We can't go up there. No. I don't know if you guys know who um Tawanda Jones is. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, she really fought this because her brother was killed by police. Right. And the medical examiner, yeah, the medical examiner same same people with Freddie Gray said that her that he his heart just like spontaneously he was killed by police like they beat him they choked him right so she got her own autopsy she got two of them I mean she really went after the corruption in the medical and 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 you know some people started to pay attention to that because of her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's not science what they do right Right. A part of it is, but it's the same with forensics and ballistics and all of that. Right. We've right. got the, we've got the country dazzled by all of this, but it none of it is like pure science, you know. Right. Right. I mean, I I just highlighted one one of the um just uh, if you don't mind if I read it's like the um Bill Murphy the Gray's family's attorney told CNN on April twentieth this was. You know, he, um, Freddie Gray, say his name, Freddie Gray, um, passed on April the 19th. He was arrested on April 12, 2015. And his lawyer said, told the CNN on April 20th, he died of an 80% severed spinal cord and three broken vertebrae in his neck. Wow. 
Yeah, he was wrong about the spinal cord, but that that wasn't discovered until the autopsy. His spinal cord was damaged badly. It wasn't 80% severed, but um, yeah, it was mostly what happened was it was a broken neck because he was, um, he had a specific kind of injury where, which only happens, only happens if you're like thrown forward into, or if you fly forward into a hard surface. So mm. your head hits the surface and your neck vertebrae jump over each other. Oh. Right, so. Yeah, so tell me this, why, why has the, the issues you guys have now, you said that this is something that's new that you have now, right? Um, we have a lot of families who will say, reopen the case, the, the, the promotion is like, reopen the case, reopen the case. When it comes to this, ha has, um, where is that at? Is that a possibility of having the case reopened now? Ultimately, has this come to surface? No, I mean, a few things. One is that the family took a very, very large settlement. And in doing so, they signed a gag order. So they basically were bought off. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know about their interests now. I know that those gag orders were stopped in Baltimore, so they're not allowed to do that anymore. I don't know if they're allowed to speak or take action, you know? And the other thing is six officers were found not guilty. So somebody would, somebody would have to reintroduce the whole case with new charges, which I think is fair. I think the evidence supports it. The problem is who would? I mean, yeah. the, pros the prosecutors want to be friends with the cops. Right. Exactly. That part, the right? Problem there. Is, that's what the problem is. Yeah. That is the problem, you know, that these prosecutors are <clears throat> in lockstep a lot of times with these police officers because they need them to present their cases. But on the other hand, they also use use their uh, allegiance to not prosecute the right thing. when they do when they do messed up stuff. Right. Yeah, I mean, Marilyn Mosby, like the police around the country went to war with her and she was fight for just filing the charges. They don't even know that the charges she filed were actually protecting the cops, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, like it is political death for them. They, you know, I, I don't think this can happen. I, I don't know, they can move it to the state level. Like right now in Maryland, the attorney general has the right to kind of pursue these cases. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the state also depends on city police. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh, kind of- wrong with each other. Yeah, they, they, mm -hmm. they, they um, are very tight knit, mm -hmm. very close. I mean, they, um, some of the stuff that they came up with, it was like, what the what, right? Even the even the reason they said they arrested him was suspect, right? Uh, oh, there was no arrest. There was no reason. They were looking for a reason after they had him in custody. Right. They had nothing, and and that part, like that part, was never discussed in the media. Like most of the story, you right. know, the, the media was like, "Oh, he was arrested for possession of a knife." Nobody mm -hmm. thought, "Wow, he's never been arrested with a knife before." What if they planted it? Right. And there's a ton of evidence that they planted it. Yeah. Um, I know one of the things that really burns me up about the media is the way that they um, kind of cherry pick um, cases to highlight, right? Like Freddie Gray like, or, um, you know, um, Eric Gardner, you know, some of the names that we know very well, you know, what we call, quote unquote, celebrity type, cases, right? But the thing is, 
they do, I believe they do that to try to make the, you know, community think that, oh, these are one-offs. These aren't, these aren't happening on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. 892 people have been killed as of today by police. That's not, that's an epidemic as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. It's like, I, I didn't know that number. I knew that it was like about, about a thousand a year. So sometimes people will be like, well, do you have hope? How can we fix this? And it's like, this number is outrageous. Are you kidding me? This is a pandemic of itself. Like, yeah. And, and yes, I can't imagine the pain and suffering of being a family member of someone killed by police that didn't get attention. Mm-hmm. You know, that seems horrible. And yes, I agree the media doesn't know all of the ways that it helps police. And one of them is to make it seem like these cases are unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, right before and after Freddie Gray, there were people killed in police custody. You know, I could have done a bit more of that in the book. I mean, there was just a lot to cover, you know, but for sure there was, you know, somebody killed right before. It's like, if the story breaks through, then they have to deal with it. But otherwise, they have their routine ways of just sweeping it under the rug. Right. It's part right. of controlling the narrative. What's that? It's part of them controlling the narrative. Control the yeah. narrative, right? And so I, I, I think one of the ways that we, that we who have been impacted and we who live in communities which are over policed, can be, uh, be, be more, um, uh, productive is start to police the police. That's right. Yeah. Right. So in some of these people in Gilmore um, Gardens, the Gilmore Gardens, um, um, they were actually doing that. They were recording what happened that day. But they're they're Like you said, their testimony was either, I don't know, pushed under the rug. It was never a part of the uh, official investigation. Right. I mean, it's really gross. Like Marilyn Mosby's office, they gave a press conference after the trials were over and the two lead prosecutors who ran her department, like they, so it was very political. Mm-hmm. They were asked like, what about witnesses? Why weren't they, there were more witnesses at trial? And they said, well, you know, the community doesn't want to speak to us. And I had no problem finding 20 witnesses, very eager to talk, who gave statements, went to the media, their statements were erased, their um, media commentary was reduced to tiny sound bites, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't know what they were talking about, but that probably more than anything that I encountered offended the F out of me. Mm-hmm. Like that is disgusting to say about people who tried really hard. His best friend called 911 twice, went down to the police station, knocked on the doors, gave a statement at his own risk, you know, because he was under police surveillance too, like testified in court. Like some of these people tried really hard. One woman I talked to, she didn't want to talk to me for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I persisted and she finally did. Now we talk all the time, but she said, I tried, what do you want from me? Like I tried then. And a lot of people felt that way. Cause I came, came back after a few years and they were like, we tried, what do you want? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that is just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that goes back to though, when we got to try to work on the system, right? Yeah. That's what it is. Um, even as you mentioned all this stuff and all this bad, all these bad things happened with this case and no one was indicted, like nobody. And you got all these witnesses. That's crazy. 
that's crazy. Yeah, well, they they were with they were indicted. The cops were indicted for something else for like not seatbelting him. Mm-hmm. And but even Marilyn Mosby was like, well, there was no direct force, and it's like there were marks on his body, like just this very and just the ease with which they lied to the public and knew that they could get away with pretending that what Gilmore Holmes residents saw would be ignored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want people to understand that. I want people to, that were there in 2015 and weren't taking witnesses seriously. I want them to feel sorry and to reckon with that. I want the reporters to like, and I wrote about it, about the Baltimore Sun in particular. They need a reckoning. Mm-hmm. They need to like feel bad yeah. because they were wrong for not paying attention to the witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, in this country, we see where um, people who look like me are marginalized. They're, you know, what we have to say is discounted and then we're dismissed. And that's what frustrates people. So when you went back and they said, well, we tried to do what we could, I, I could understand why they were so frustrated not 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 to mention traumatized I mean you know a couple of these witnesses said they were traumatized because they heard the screaming and you know um of Freddie Gray taking his last um breast of life right and so we we know what it means in this country and until this country uh change we got to make them change because they're not going to change on their own. Because see, the system that's in the system that's in um, place works by design. It does work. I know. Someone asked me at a book event. They were like, "So wait, what about internal affairs? It doesn't work." And I was like, "No, it works the way they designed it." Right. Well, I mean, I saw when you put in this book that the, the guy, one of the guys that was the lead, he was like the commander. He had. Uh, a couple of cases with internal affairs and they didn't even prosecute him and it's like yeah, uh, yeah. What yeah. The yeah hmm. he was real abusive and he shouldn't have been on the streets and I think that's partly why they protected him because if they exposed how this cop shouldn't have been on the streets the one that mostly caused his death and covered it up then they would have had to deal with a lot you know mm-hmm. so, yeah. so I mean I we I could talk all night about this <laughs> but how does somebody get your book they killed freddie gray how did they get your book justine baron um well amazon has it in hard copy audio and kindle mm-hmm. um you know i think that's where you could save money um i also really would urge you to support if you can afford it a little more ten dollars more whatever uh, independent bookstores, you know, Red Emma's is in Baltimore. They could ship it to you. You know, they were very supportive of the book, a worker's own bookstore, you know, and your local bookstore might have it too. So. And do you still do the podcast undisclosed? No, no, that was just a season. Um, you know, I, I have some other things brewing, but right now it's mostly just the book and then me complaining about things on Twitter. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Follow her on Twitter, or formerly known as Twitter, whatever that is over there. X. X. X is X marks the spot. Well, yeah. uh, we want to thank you again for for coming um onto That's our podcast. Evening. Y'all get this book. You know, um, a lot of times we we are told that if you want to keep something a secret, put it in a book. That's right. This really? Is worth read. This is a book worth the read. It 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 held my attention. It talked about, you know, because a lot of times, even us, you know, us impacted families, 
we think that we're crazy because we, you know, but we're not crazy. No, just gaslit. They just gaslight. <laughs> yeah. Here's the book. They kill Freddie Gray. Thank um, you. Yes. Yes. Thank you for coming on our, um, our podcast this evening. Um, it was, yeah, it was really nice to meet you. You know, I didn't know about your podcast to be honest, but now I do. I'm going to listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll find more stories just similar to Freddie's. Well, not exactly similar, but as yeah. far as corruption is concerned, I think oftentimes too, people think that uh, we say that police are corrupt. They think you're just, you know, BSing because you want to just, you know, you all everyone hates the police. No, this is like real stuff. The police, the medical examiner, it's all in the book. That's just one case of many of you guys. You so can go out, get the book, read it. Not only read it, but share it. Share the information. Take the information and do something with it. Yes. Justin, you said it earlier. The best part you said earlier is about knowledge. Taking the knowledge and applying it. That's two different things. You can know one thing, but actually applying it is something totally different, you guys. So please, let's begin to apply the knowledge that we have. Yes. Let's educate <laughs> so that we can motivate and get this thing um, turned around in our favor. I believe. I believe that we can build a system to change the system that we have in place. Yeah. We gotta learn the system first in order to change I learn it. We gotta learn it. That's right. We gotta learn it first. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Oh, yeah. last but not least, Roxanne, go ahead and say it. Get out and get out and vote. Vote, register and vote. We got some vote, some registering and voting. I saw it, you know, Virginia. Uh, I think we got some voting going on all across the country register and vote it is one tool yes but it is an important tool the way you can use your voice to uh to change some of these politicians who make laws register and vote people family back to the book again as you're talking about corruption <laughs> again these people are voted into office yeah. right so when you have corruption like this when I, we put them there we can't keep keeping these in, in seat. So get out, register and vote, exercise your vote, know who your candidates are, know who the, the laws are in your state. You guys, it's been life after the impact, you all. Have a good night. Good night. When you see something like a Jalen Walker, where about 100 shots are fired, which is obviously at least gross negligence, right? You're obviously acting recklessly. You're doing all the things that show we should, we should take a closer look into this and hold someone accountable and nothing happens. It usually speaks to, from my perspective, system-wide corruption. That's like right. this is too blatant for right. there to be no accountability, no action. And something that's this egregious. And then it's important because, you know, some of us know the history that right next door in Cleveland, there were 150 shots fired not that long ago. Mm -hmm. So this is something that officers in this region are I'm getting away with. And getting away with. Mm -hmm. And the district attorneys, the attorney generals are declining to prosecute, to do anything. So for us, when Jalen Walker happened, unfortunately, we were like, we have to do something very extreme to get attention, right? We knew, we were like, because if we don't- People are not gonna pay attention. And not only that, that's what the prosecutors want. They want the community to be quiet. 
Yep. That was a yep. way to sweep it under the rug. Our goal is to let the prosecutors, the mayor, and other elected officials know this isn't going away. That's right. And you have to do something.